listening to Miller and Moulton, exclusively on the Florida Sports Network. And now, here's Mark Miller and David Moulton. Hour two of Miller and Moulton on this Thursday, the second day of the month, first Thursday of March, however. Miller and Moulton, Florida Sports Network, floridasportsnetwork.com. Two weeks today, the NCAA tournament officially gets underway, although there's plenty of madness that has already taken place and will take place between now and then. Major League Baseball season officially begins four weeks from today, which I believe means the Masters is five weeks today. So there. Hmm? Huh? I love it. Fortunately, they'll still have cuts at the Masters this year. (laughs) They will. They will. Kurt Byron will join us in an hour from NBC and the Golf Channel. We booked them just to preview uh, Arnie's tournament at Bay Hill. It was nice of the PGA Tour to give us some news yesterday. Now we can talk to Kurt about it. He's actually, I think, one of the perfect guys to talk to about it because while he won on the PGA Tour and had some really good years, most of his 15-plus years, he was a grinder. And so his status year to year might have been in question as to whether or not he would have gotten in these, you know, we could call them special events, Mark. Well, didn't they? I mean, they had these special events a while ago. The World Golf. Yeah. Top 64 for match play. And yeah, the the WGC events, they've got three of them. And those are special events. Right. And those events are boring for the record. Well. Um, I mean, I think all, for the most part, I think the PGA Tour's limited events are boring. The Tour Championship's a bore. We start a guy out with a 10-shot lead. Great. What's the drama of the second-to-last tournament? It's really who's going to be in the top 30. And so, you know, did you like last week? You know, the leaderboard, the battle at the end, and the compelling stories. They really were. They were fascinating stories. You had the journeyman who on and off the course had battled a lot, hadn't won in nearly eight years. Then you had the guy who's just made his way onto the tour, was playing in his 12th ever event, okay, and he damn near won. And winning on the PGA Tour does change your life. And you had the sidebar story of the guy who finished fourth that was a Monday qualifier. I mean, that's part of the allure of the tour is that you can go have a good week and make something happen. And they're and, eliminating most of that in these big events. Well, yes, for the big events. But then they're also saying we got 30 other events. Okay, so we have plenty of tournaments for the other guys. Plenty of opportunity for the other guys who also, they argue, Mark, you know, Rory was pounding the table yesterday saying, listen, if you win the Honda, you've won your way into the designated events the rest of the year. You know, you've won your way into the WGC events, into the majors, into the designated events. So don't tell me the other tournaments aren't important. And yeah, maybe, maybe an early season designated event you're not in, but you could get in the later ones. So that's their argument. But Rory's argument also when asked about, hey, these you know special fields of 70, 80 players that are going to be no cuts. And he's like, well, we want the stars to be there on the weekend. Once again, for television purposes, for gallery purposes. For gallery purposes, because if they're at the bottom of the leaderboard, they're not getting a lot of TV time. 
True. In, in these events. I mean, they're just there's only three hours that they're on television. They might get some golf channel time, but other than that, it's not going to do much for the ratings if Rory's T sixty four heading to the weekend. So that was Rory selling it yesterday. And needless to say, I mean, Rory and Rom and Scheffler and what have you. I mean, this is great. And they're the ones making the changes, too. I mean, they, you know, they, I mean, the top players made sure that they got on the board. I mean, you know, they're, they're making these changes and they're thinking of them. They are, but they think that, remember, what did Rory say two weeks ago? PJ Tour needs to be more like the NBA. And that's how we need to market. Yeah, okay. And I think they've always marketed that way. I mean, at least for the last 15 years, they marketed that way. They marketed Tiger. Every tournament he was in, that's all they marketed. They've never not marketed towards their stars in the sport, though. I mean, they really never have. That's the only thing they can market. And so it's really the age-old argument. Was the tour better off when you had... However many number of players that you thought moved the needle, got people to watch and show up. And then they all made their own schedule. And so they kind of were always all sprinkled out. You very rarely had a tournament where you didn't have a top 10 player in the world at it. But now you're going to have 12 tournaments at least without a top 10 player in the world. You could have 20. I mean, last week at the Honda, the highest-ranked golfer, if we want to go by the outdated world golf rankings, but the highest-ranked golfer in the world was 17th. I think they had two top 20 players in the world at the Honda. You know, for what it's worth, ratings were down 10% from the year before. Be more concerned, was Phoenix up? I believe so. Was Riviera up? You know, because if if these heightened events get significant ratings bumps, well, then it's working from a television standpoint. And 10% down in the golf world is not that significant. Believe it or not, the 10% was the audience that watched the LIV. If you added the LIV audience of like 280 to 300,000 people, if you added that to NBC's audience, you had last year's numbers at the Honda. So the same number of people sat down on the same weekend to watch golf. 90% of them watched the PGA Tour and 10% of them watched LIV. I believe, by the way, that uh, the Genesis was up because Tiger played. So it was up significantly. But now they've got to figure out in these heightened events when Tiger's not playing, can they get the ratings bump that they feel would warrant having these exclusive events? If it does, then it works. And as Jack told us last week, the tour is going to change every year, the designated events. It was nice Thanks. of Jack to spill the beans that the tour gave him. No doubt. No doubt. I, I can mean, just imagine <laughs> yep. that, as that interview was going on and Jack is basically discussing the future of the PGA Tour on air in a live interview, how right. the PR people from the PGA Tour were handling that. Because they're throwing things against the wall, they're screaming, they're cursing, and they know they can't do a damn thing about it. They can't what say anything. What are we anything. doing keeping Nicholas in the loop? Okay? You know you can't trust him. He's 80 years old. He's going to say whatever he wants when he wants. And he's in charge of two damn tournaments on this tour, so he's always going to get the information. We got a Nicholas problem. 
put it this way. You know what I know for a fact based on that interview? Is that they haven't replaced Honda as the title sponsor yet. Because if they would have, Jack would have given it to us. <laughs> yeah, it's about the only thing. I mean, he said we're going to have a new sponsor, but he didn't say which one. So That's because right. they don't have one yet. If they would have had one, he would have announced it. He sure would have. Hell, he might have might have switched hats like a NASCAR driver and put it on. <laughs> <laughs> might have worn the shirt. Uh, speaking, by the way, of NASCAR and sponsorship, quick sidebar, you know, our buddy Ross Chastain, because uh, this is Harvick's last year, and Harvick's got Anheuser-Busch. And Anheuser-Busch is basically saying, yeah, we think that money's going to go to Trackside and Ross Chastain. Huh. Interesting. As to just where they feel he is on the pecking order of NASCAR drivers and where certain really historically big companies in that sport are going to spend their money. Very interesting. That is interesting. Would be great for him. That's a that's a big time sponsor. You're not worried about chasing, you know, what car you're running this week and who you got to take care of. You get Anheuser Busch on there, you're good to go. Well, let's see. Chastain's got two top tens to start the year, right? A ninth and a third. Suarez was up there until the last wreck at Daytona, and he finished fourth. I mean, trackside racing is not going anywhere. And they're like an expansion team, for goodness sakes. This is like the Jags, and this is like the Las Vegas Golden Knights starting up and going straight to the finals. And continuing on, because Vegas hasn't really let up at all. They've been a really good franchise from the word go, making it tough on the Kraken to try to keep up to what Vegas has done in the first couple of years. So, kicking a few things around there. Miller and Moulton. Dalton Miller will join us in a little more than 25 minutes. We'll talk plenty of pro football. Kurt Byram will get back to talking golf at the top of the hour, get his thoughts. And I do think he's a unique person because he played over 15 years on the tour. He won on the tour. He had some good years in which he would have had status, but he also had years where he was grinding just to make a living. And so he's been on both sides of where it is the PGA Tour is going. He's obviously a big golf fan, and he's a golf announcer. So he kind of will come at this, Mark, from like three different vantage points at the top of the hour. I actually can't wait to hear what Kurt Byram has to say, who's a straight shooter. Always want to hear what you have to say on the text line. 21,000 is the number like this person who texted in and said, Good morning. They are trying to manufacture drama. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes, you're right. That's a very well thought out sentence. Can I ask a follow up question? Of course, David. That's part of what we do. And maybe they'll answer it. Is it working? Like, has it worked already this year? I mean, they've had a designated event already, they've they, had a couple, and they did well. Now, Tiger did play in one of them. I mean, that helped. Let's face it. He could show up at the John Deere Classic and be the highest-rated PGA Tournament of the year before the majors. But, I mean, did it work? But there were cuts. The manufactured drama is now what's in the future. Because I think the elevated events have worked this year. And I think they will continue to work if there's a cut. I don't know if a limited field is going to detract from those events 
or enhance those events. My initial thought is it will detract from those events, David. So you will think less of a tournament because they only have 70, 80 guys versus 140, 150? The cut. I do think the cut is something. I think having to play two days and making a cut is part of what the allure of golf is to a lot of us, and it is to me. I I guess because you and I have followed some middle-of-the-road guys that I'm watch, I'm sitting there worried about Friday. Are you going to be able to shoot 69 to get through to the weekend? Without that pressure, all we're doing is handing guys paychecks. It's the same thing everybody's bitched about with Live Golf. Well, I think Live should have a daily cut, and I mean it. I think they should have a cut after 18 holes where you get to stay and compete in the team competition, but you can't win any individual money. And then I think they should have another cut after 36 holes. Make every round have some meaning. Miller and Moulton, Florida Sports Network. Welcome back to Miller and Moulton, only on the Florida Sports Network. Twenty-one minutes past the hour. Miller and Moulton, Florida Sports Network, FloridaSportsNetwork.com. Dalton Miller from Pro Football Network to join us coming up in a little less than twenty minutes' time. Kurt Byram, NBC and the Golf Channel, to join us coming up at the top of the hour. Felipe with the Clutch Vodka Play of the Day in a handful of minutes. I have a question for you. It's a serious question, and I'm not trying to be flippant. All right. It's a serious question, which I think now is not a hypothetical. I think it's very real. If Jalen Carter is guilty of what he's accused of and has now been officially charged with, he was booked late last night for under reckless driving and racing in connection with a fatal car crash. Now, his car obviously was not the fatal car crash, but the car that he was allegedly racing was the one in which the driver, the recruiting coordinator, and a teammate of his were killed. Is that enough for you not to draft him? No. That's not enough. I, I would still draft him. Technically, I believe both these charges are misdemeanors. You know, for those that wonder, you know, well, is that a felony or is that a misdemeanor? I believe he was charged with misdemeanor reckless driving and misdemeanor racing. All right. Now, Canada Relief in our Twitch chat room is, should the NFL step in? Well, he's not a part of the NFL yet. Not a part of the NFLPA. He's not a union member. He hasn't been drafted yet. This incident took place before... He's going to become a member of the NFL. Now, will they step in? Eh, we all think they will. I could see him being suspended for the start of his career. But, I mean, wasn't Joe Mixon? Was Joe Mixon penalized by the NFL? No. For what he did in college? I don't believe no? so, no. Or did the NFL just said, you know, listen, we're not crazy about it, but he did it in college. You know, he didn't do it in the NFL. He didn't do it on a payroll. <laughs> Just George's. But I'm bumped. So it's, it's a serious question. It's to all of you as well. All right? Let's just assume the worst, that Jalen Carter is going to be found guilty of reckless driving and racing. 
Because what seems, you know, what is legally guilty versus what is common sense guilty. I, I mean, if he was driving the other car, which I'm not sure if he was, but I believe the charges indicate they believe he was driving the other car. It certainly seems, Mark, because apparently the highest rate of speed of the car involved in the fatal crash was a little over 100 miles an hour. And I believe at the time of the crash, when it made contact off the road, it was over 80 miles an hour. So I think common sense, whether the legal system will say that there was some reckless driving and racing going on. I think as a general manager of the team, you can come to the conclusion that you and your fan base are going to go, well, damn, I mean, he was doing something two in the morning. There was probably some drinking involved because there was with the people in the other car. And damn, this is not good. No, it's not. And it's an awful tragedy. And I don't want to take away anything from what happened to the two people who died. I'm I'm right. trying but- to to right. separate well, them it, for the moment. Exactly. There, you know, I don't think the team that ultimately drafts him, wherever they draft him, are bad people because they draft him. I know they're going to get accused of it. Even if these charges go away, okay, they will be accused of it. But I'm just wondering if you're I listen, if you're Chicago at four, like is this something where you take him off your board. Well, Mike Tannenbaum thinks that it is, for the record. Thinks that he will drop significantly because of it. The interview, you know, the CBS Sports mock draft that I looked at this morning just happened to be up when I was checking something else and I flipped through it. Now, this is the worst mock draft I've ever seen in my life, and the guy should lose his job for having it, but he has Jalen Carter going 17th to Pittsburgh. That's not why he should lose his job. This particular draft has Anthony Richardson going number one overall to the Indianapolis Colts. That's why I have more of a problem with that mock draft, not where Carter is. But the two combined make me question if whether or not someone's just writing an article for clicks. Now, there have been many a story, you know, but one of the most famous was Warren Sapp, arguably the best player in the draft. The year he was drafted, he fell to 12. Tampa Bay said, oh, thank you very much. The Vikings at 11, who had a clear need for a defensive lineman. And they drafted one. But they drafted Derek Alexander out of Florida State. And Tampa Bay said, yeah, we're taking Sapp at 12. I don't care if it's Coke, pot, don't care. He's too good. We're taking him. And I think, old, I, I'll make my prediction right now. Jalen Carter goes top 10. Just, he's going to go top 10, in my opinion. Now, he may not go top four, which it certainly appeared as if he was going to. But I think he still goes top 10, Mark. Like Philly at 10, sitting there with 10 and 30. If Jalen Carter's on the board, they're going to look around and go, holy blank, we got three defensive tackles to replace and the best damn player in the draft sitting on the board. We we're get taking that him. corner at 30. Well, we're taking him. So I'm with you, David. I think he goes top 10. I don't think this will affect his draft status hardly at all. Time now for our Clutch Vodka Play of the Day. Felipe, what do you have for us today? Vanderbilt at Kentucky. Jordan Wright, Jerry Stackhouse's first recruit ever at Vanderbilt with the clutch shot with time winding down. 
And then here's Jerry Stackhouse after the game talking about his first recruit ever at Vanderbilt. Because we started in this thing together. This is my very first recruit. This first guy that I signed at Vanderbilt. So I get a little bit emotional with this one right here. Because he's, you know, that's what it's about. That's what it's about. That's what it's about. You know, this, this is a great moment for us, a great moment for our program. And I'm glad that he was able to, to help us do it tonight. And that player was sitting to Jerry's right, and he took his right arm and he put it on the kid's back, and the kid in turn took his left arm and put it on the coach's back to console him, as you could hear Stackhouse's emotion. When Stackhouse took over at Vandy, they were winless in SEC play. They won 10 games this year. They went 10-7 and seven in conference play so far. It's pretty impressive in four years, the turnaround he's had with the Commodores, and it's our Clutch Vodka play of the day. Clutch Vodka, that's Clutch with a K. I think the tournament's going to be like this. I really do. I I think the tournament is going to be so many close games, so many one-possession games in the final 30 seconds. It may end up a five, six-point game at the end because of free throws, but I, I just think, Mark, there is not much separating these teams at all. I mean, you know, Kentucky's going to be a nine or a 10. I mean, you know, outside of the top two seeds, you know, who don't you think they can really play with? And for that matter, if they get a Houston who can struggle to score, you don't think Kentucky can stay in that game? I I just think it's going to be. I think Kentucky could stay with a Purdue. Yeah, I think it's going to be a great tournament. And you can have a great tournament, by the way, and not have a ton of upsets, but just have a 30 close games. And I really think that's what we're going to get. Oh, we'll get upsets. We'll get lots of upsets. So many close games. Too much parody in the sport right now, not to think there's going to be a lot of upsets. It's just when you've got 16 teams that could get to a Final Four, 20 teams that could get to a Final Four, you're going to have upsets in this thing. I mean, Auburn undermanned on the road last night against a consensus top four team in the country in Alabama, and they had a 17 point lead in the second half. And probably got zebraed. And that's why they lost in overtime. Miller and Moulton. We'll talk more NFL coming up on the other side. Golf talk at the top of the 8 o'clock hour. Always taking your text at 21,000 here on Miller and Moulton. Where else but the Florida Sports Network. Welcome back to Miller and Moulton, only on the Florida Sports Network. Twenty-two minutes before the hour. Thanks so much for being with us, Miller and Moulton, Florida Sports Network, FloridaSportsNetwork.com. Kurt Byram, NBC and the Golf Channel, talk about some more major changes coming the PJ Tour's way. As we also preview Bay Hill, Arnie's event which gets underway right now. Dalton Miller, kind enough to join us once again. Lead analyst, profootballnetwork.com, profootballnetwork.com. You can follow it on Twitter at PFN365. You can follow him on Twitter at Dalton, the letter B, Miller, Dalton B. Miller. Dalton, it's David and Mark once again. How are you? David, Mark, I'm doing fantastic. How are you, gentlemen? Well, we're fine, and the obvious thing to start with is what you wrote about yesterday. 
Jalen Carter, and now that he's been charged, he was booked last night, released 16 minutes later. But And you, who very invested in the draft, and you merged the two issues together and talked about what is going to happen to his draft stock. What do you think with what we know on March 2nd will happen to his draft stock in seven weeks? Yeah, these are obviously difficult discussions to have because whenever there's loss of life, it's more important than sports. Um, but obviously our job is to, to talk about sports. And when we look at this situation and we're honest with ourselves, when you look at the NFL, you look at, at guys like Joe Mixon and Jeffrey Simmons um, and so many guys who have had off-field issues, and not just off-field issues, but have committed acts of, of violence off the field. Um, you even look at, at somebody like Deshaun Watson, who, you know, the, the best thing that we can kind of say is that, you know, maybe he is a, a little bit creepy. Um so it's really tough when you see guys like that in the NFL. I mean, Watson just got a $250 million contract fully guaranteed. So I think when you look at this and you look at his past with the speeding ticket in September, it's a young kid who likes to drive really fast. And at this point, I would highly doubt that he ever drives fast again on the road. I can't imagine losing a friend like that and uh, not learning your lesson at that point. I think the way that he handles that in interviews with teams will ultimately decide his draft stock, but I think it only takes one team to chalk it up to being, you know, a a little bit immature uh, for him to still go in in the top five and top seven of this NFL draft because they can sit back and they can look at the incident and say there was no malicious intent with this. And I think unless things escalate into felony charges, I just don't see teams making a, a huge deal out of it, unfortunately. Well, I, I'm right with you there, Dalton. I, I don't think it's a fortunate or unfortunate. I think it's just factual that the NFL deals yeah. with talent and how they can best use that talent. I think the point that you made that just one team being interested can change everything. With that being said, Chicago was linked to him, and Chicago wants to trade out. Does this benefit? I mean, is there a way this could benefit a team like the Bears who could trade once or twice and maybe still end up with one of the best defensive players in the draft? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, you're probably looking at somebody like that, anyways, for them. Um, the Texas Tech pass rusher is another name that I could really see for the Chicago Bears in a trade back situation, just because, and not even just in a trade back situation, but even over somebody like Will Anderson, just because he fits um, what. Um, what they like to do and what they like to have, the mold of their defensive end, big, long, athletic, even though he is still learning how to be a professional pass rusher. I really think that he's a guy um, who who could be a Chicago Bear at the end of the day. But um, I think moving back and still getting Jalen Carter, the talent in the top seven or eight, if you're the Chicago Bears, has to feel like a win. Dalton, I think the Eagles at 10 are his floor in terms of how far mm-hmm. he could drop. I, because they've already got two of his teammates, you know, N'Kobe Dean and the big de- uh, defensive tackle. I, I mean, I think that, you know, they would make the argument, listen, he's got a couple buddies, you know, have been in the league now and they can put their arm around him. And, you know, he, he, 
this would probably be his best situation. The Eagles have needs at defensive tackle at corner. I mean, so, but if he falls to them at 10, I, I, I don't see him dropping past 10. Could you? Um, no, I, I actually agree with that 100%. I, I think unless, you know, they would prefer to go corner at, at that spot, depending on what happens, you know, with, with James Bradbury on the other side there, they have a lot of answers um, or a lot of questions that they have to answer in the offseason about their defense because so many guys are free agents. But you look at Fletcher Cox as a free agent, Javon Hargrave is a free agent. Those guys are both over 30 years old. You can definitely look to pair somebody like Jalen Carter uh, with Jordan Davis on the interior there. That would be disgusting moving forward. Two really young guys who might have to learn how to be professional pass rushers. Uh, defensive tackle historically is a little bit harder of a transition to make from the college to the NFL level. Um, I could see it taking Jalen Carter a little bit of time. But when you have Hassan Reddick on the outside, when you have probably Brandon Graham coming back on a, a, a bit cheaper of a deal, and you have Josh Sweat, it is really easy um, to just go out there and be an athlete and beat your one-on-one. I mean, I think somebody like Jalen Carter could do that, and that would really just be disgusting for a Philadelphia defense that is going to try to reload for another Super Bowl run. He's Dalton Miller, analyst, profootballnetwork.com, profootballnetwork.com. You can follow them on Twitter at PFN365. You can follow Dalton on Twitter at Dalton B. Miller. Dalton, the letter B, Miller. Dalton, there's a lot of... Well, heat coming this way that uh, Lamar may be moved and Atlanta keeps being talked about. Do you think at the end of the day, Lamar Jackson gets traded? I do. I do at this point. Um, It's amazing to me. I think this might be the first time we've ever really seen a legitimate franchise quarterback like that, not even really in their prime yet, not stick around with their team. I I can't think of, of anybody else who is really just, been given the leeway to go test the markets at this point. And, you know, whoever they, they trade him to, he's going to have a, a say because he has a long-term contract coming up. I mean, he's going to get the franchise tag. I mean, I assume he's going to get the franchise tag. I mean, I, I can't imagine they just let him hit the market, but then you're kind of on the hook for, you know, a, a ton of that money. So it'll be interesting to see how they how they do that. I think that they need to try to get as many – assets as possible because they're going to have to find a quarterback in the draft now. I just, I don't understand the thought process. I know that they're probably a little bit upset because they felt he probably could have played in the playoff game. Um, and he has been injured, you know, on and off in the past two seasons, but he's one of, if not the most dangerous single entities in the NFL. It's insane to me that they would even think about moving on, but it really seems like that's the direction that they're moving. If he goes well, to Atlanta, and following in the, the footsteps, you know, a little bit of, of Michael Vick. I mean, it would obviously be poetry, um, but it would be awful, obviously, for the rest of the NFC South. Well, Dalton, this would also change the league, I think, permanently going forward. Because if what we are led to believe is true, that the reason that he and the Ravens are so far apart is because he has not budged about getting all of his money guaranteed, a la Deshaun Watson. And he has simply said to the Ravens, I'm better than him, so I'm not accepting a dollar less and not a dollar guaranteed less. So in theory, Dalton, if the Falcons or anyone else want to acquire him, 
don't you then have to assume they are going to give in to his demands? He'll have even more leverage with the team that's just acquired him. And once that happens, once we have a second franchise quarterback with a fully guaranteed contract, it's over. Yeah, um, and you can thank Kirk Cousins for that because he uh, he held firm on that. So, so we, we can all thank Captain Kirk for that. Uh, I, I think, listen, I, I think quarterback contracts should, should be fully guaranteed anyways. I think they're the most important position in all of professional sports. When you look at NBA contracts and MLB contracts, those are fully guaranteed, and those are far less taxing on your body. I mean, when we look at, at NFL contracts, and you say, oh, this guy got $250 million. Well, $100 million of that was guaranteed, and the team can cut them after two seasons of their five-year deal. So it's a lot of uh, fugazi when it comes to these NFL contracts, and I think setting the precedent for franchise-level elite quarterbacks to get fully guaranteed deals from a player perspective I do not think is a bad thing, and I am a fan of the players. It's why I love this sport. I'm not on the side of the billionaire owners. I will always um, agree with the players when it comes to the monetary side of things. And when you're looking at, at quarterbacks, you know maybe they take a little bit less guaranteed money, a little bit less against the salary cap if it is a fully guaranteed deal. So I think that there's ways it can work both ways. The scary part about somebody like Lamar getting a fully guaranteed deal is because he is a mobile quarterback and likes to run, there is a greater risk of injury for him and if you do have him, you know, taking up $50 million worth of your salary cap, there's probably not a fantastic team around him. So it does make team building a, a more difficult discussion. Well, I tell you what, he gets that guaranteed somewhere. Joe Burrow is just sitting there laughing right now going, get that oh. guaranteed money, get that guaranteed money, because you know what you're going to have to pay me if that happens. <laughs> hey, I'm curious, Dalton, they had that the NFLPA survey come out and, you know, rank teams, you see the chiefs rank near the bottom. So does this mean anything or is this just an NFLPA survey they put out before free agency at the end of the day? Is it just money talks? doesn't really matter what the facilities are like. Yeah, I think money talks in those part and money and winning talk. So if you can get money and you're winning, you know, with Super Bowls with Patrick Mahomes as your quarterback, I don't think it's going to uh, make teams or make players shy away from the Kansas city chiefs at all. Um, it's a money league. Who do you think ultimately controls the sale of the commanders? Does Snyder ultimately get to pick and choose who he sells it to? Or does the league, because they have final approval on all sales, are they basically going to be able to say to Snyder, yeah, I don't care if you hate Bezos. He's offered the most money. You have to take it. It's a really tricky situation because – Dan Snyder and really all of these billionaires, they all have something on each other. It's part of the power struggle of the NFL. Um, and so it's tough to sit here and say, even with all of Dan Snyder's very public flaws, that they're going to decide who he ends up selling to. I think if the money is right, I don't think the NFL is going to care all that much about who it is because at the end of the day, they're trying to avoid a massive PR hit with all of this. Um, it is why they defended him. It's why they protected him for so many years, knowing that things like this were going on. Um, and, and so I think whoever it is, it's going to be as quiet as it can possibly be at the end of the day. I don't think the NFL wants to cause a ruckus with the Snyders.
Dalton, uh, a week from today, when the tag deadline has come and gone, we have one player tagged as of today. How many do you think are going to be tagged when we take inventory a week from today? Mm, I think it's, I mean, it's usually, you know, four to, to seven. I mean, it doesn't really get all that much past that. Usually some teams use more often than not. Uh, the Cowboys will, will use it. They always use theirs. Um, I think one of the, the two guys from the Giants, either Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley, get it. Um, I think Gino gets a long-term deal done uh, with Seattle, or they franchise tag him and draft a quarterback for the long term. That'll be an interesting situation with them having the fifth pick. Um, but it will not be a ton of guys getting the tag. He's Dalton Miller, Pro Football Network, profootballnetwork.com. Follow them at PFN365 and follow him at Dalton, the letter B Miller, Dalton B Miller. Dalton, once again, appreciate your time and your insights. Stay well. Thanks for having me, gentlemen. Dalton Miller, kind enough to join us once again here on Miller and Moulton. From Peru. <laughs> right. He's abroad right. doing this league. Did you see he took a, a selfie? He used a selfie stick. He walked within like two feet, you know, or two steps of the edge of a cliff and kind of held the stick with the camera over the cliff. And he showed a couple of those views. Ah! <laughs> oh, that's right. You don't like heights. Not one bit. Did you uh, did you just see that by the way? What he was doing beautiful. with his hands? <sighs> yeah. Some beautiful views though. I will say. That's fantastic. I'll look at the picture. I'll still get creeped out by it. I will say. I hope your hands don't move like that on a golf course. That would be like the yips and the shanks combined. Now, that was quite a, a hand gesture you had going there. <sighs> <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. It's... I'm sorry to freak you out like that. Beautiful views. Sorry. As long as I'm strapped into something, I'm okay. <laughs> Walking there, it's a whole nother story. Just extend that selfie stick. All right, that's all. Uh, speaking of golf and shanks and, and what have you, Kurt Byram of the PJ Tour, all right, NBC and Golf Channel, he will join us coming up at the top of the hour. Miller and Moulton, thanks so much for listening to us here on the Florida Sports Network. <laughs> 